today I want to talk about the opposite of jealousy, compersion. Specifically, I want to talk about compersion through confidence. How to how to how to work on your compersion, how to achieve compersion, if there is such a thing, and we'll get to that. Um, and how to do that through confidence. You're listening to Satanic Love, the New American Dream. I'm your host, Tiffany Boggins, and with me, my devil's advocate, Ralph Walters. Conversion is easily defined by saying it's the opposite of jealousy. Um, and another good way to look at it, look at it as it's a positive emotional reaction to a loved one's other relationships. Um, I, and those other relationships can be an emotional, romantic, or sexual way. So, uh, and at first, I was I was originally thinking that when I would talk about compersion, I would talk about it as uh, the opposite of jealousy. However, I've changed my thinking slightly um, after listening to Eric Francis talk about it. And what he said that really affected me was he talked about it not being the opposite, not being the goal, but actually the action of going through jealousy, of of going through it in the right direction, as in going through it in order to conquer it. And that that left me with a new feeling about jealousy and what the opposite of jealousy is. Um, jealousy being fear and the opposite of jealousy being actual love, actual non-controlling, non-jealous-based love. So I, I found that, I, that I, just listening to him now, I had a better understanding of what it is than what I did this morning. So, And he also talked about uh, the etymology of compersion and, and where that word comes from because it's actually a false word. It's not, you know, in the way that it's been made up. Um, but he said, he broke it down as in like, you know, calm uh, meaning with and her meaning, you know, to go through. I found a really funny reference today because the, 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 the term compersion was coined by the Carista Commune, which was the commune um, in, that ran between the 70s and the 80s in San Francisco. They were a polyamorous commune, and they really um, were one of the first ones to live it and promote it. And they actually did a lot of artwork and a lot of books, and, a, and they did a lot of teaching trying to promote this idea of compersion, the idea of loving somebody wholly and not, not trying to control them. Um, the idea of living without jealousy. But what's funny is that I heard uh, this rumor today that it, the, the name actually came from a Ouija board session. Which really? I, yes. Which I think takes away a little bit of the validity if that's true. But, um, but it's, it's interesting. And then uh, uh, someone else had commented on this, this one thread that I saw that, that had this in it that he thinks it was two people doing a Ouija board and one of them was trying to spell out compassion, and the other one was trying to spell out person, and it just kind of got jumbled, and so he gets compersion. <laughs> so, you know. I thought it was a deep desire to be Iranian <laughs> until I until I googled it. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a word that that yeah. If you Google it, there's it's not in the dictionary; it's in the Urban Dictionary, right. and there's a full list of of different ways you can look at conversion because it's it's kind of up for uh, interpretation. I like this new interpretation, though. I like that it's um, that it's an active progression that you're working on, and not necessarily the goal. Because that's what I thought originally was that it's the goal of an open marriage is to feel compersion. But maybe it's 
that that's just the constant uh, working towards it or or being in alignment with your partner so that there isn't uh, that jealousy or fear or need to control somebody. We're still talking about the degree of this emotion, whether we want to call one end jealousy and one compersion, or we want to separate it by fear and love. Uh, when we're talking about this degree, this um, it's basically just a, a sliding scale, and where you are on that scale determines, you know, I guess how far you've come or how far you've um, enlightened yourself or come closer to your goal. That's a good word to use, actually, because it's uh, it's kind of the same thing. It's uh, you're either um, as far as enlightenment is concerned, you're already you're either unenlightened, or you are on the path to enlightenment, or you're there. Right. Uh, which I don't think anyone ever gets there. Right, and that's the point. Maybe, and maybe that's how it it it, it is. Compersion is uh, we can relate it that way. Yeah. How comfortable can you be with uh, with the concept of allowing your significant other to 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 love someone else? It's a sliding scale, like you mentioned earlier. Scale. Yeah, and, and I believe that as long as you are trying to slide along that scale in the positive way toward either the compersion or the love side, I believe that you are then practicing compersion at the same time, which I think is a, a, an excellent thing to be able to say about yourself. <laughs> Even if you have, you know, little, little tiny backslides where jealousy may get the better of you, it's, it's I'm proud to be able to say I'm on that compersion path. Um, okay. Uh, right. So, so whichever, whichever one we're going to call the positive side, when you're working towards that, um, that's where the work comes in. That's where the hard work comes in. And that hard work can be made easier if you're confident, if you believe in yourself, if you have the foundation to say, I am an awesome person, regardless of what happens, regardless of so yes, part of compersion means accepting the fact that your partner may find somebody else that they like and want to be with them, and possibly more than you. So you know they may get a primary partner out of it. That is a big fear, and that's a fear that's, that, that can affect anyone. When you let go of that fear, and you let go of that fear by saying, you know what, yeah, that might happen. And if that happens, well, that's okay. It's not the end of the world because... First off, I'm not worried about it because the person would have to be more amazing than me. And that's obviously <laughs> not going to happen. That is not happening. But second, even if it does, that person must be so amazing and must make him so happy that why wouldn't I want him to go that way, you know? And then I have to be able to stand on my own two feet and say, well, that's okay. My importance wasn't derived from my relationship. It wasn't derived from my husband. My importance actually comes from me. It comes from what I do as a person, the decisions I make, the talents I have, the projects I work on, podcasts, you know. <laughs> and if you can derive importance from actually who you are and your instincts as a person and, and the, the, the tendencies that you have that make you happy, if you can do that, if you can make yourself interesting to yourself, then you don't need the false sense of importance that you get from another person. My compersion has been tested recently. I had a rough couple of weeks. Did I tell you about the, the guy and the, the thing he did? 
Uh, Brian, who started a bunch of shit with the girl that David was dating. Oh, and David uh, told him to leave. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So that was one. And that, so I got tested in that way where somebody actually tried to um, make me jealous about something my husband was doing, going out of their way to do that. Um, and so I had to very quickly, you know, deal with how I felt about that. Like, what do I do? I need to, I need to make peace with what it is the person is trying to hurt me with. So I need to do it immediately um, because I can't let this person, you know, use that to hurt me or, or my husband. That's just not fair um, and unacceptable as a person in my life. Nobody should be trying to do that to somebody else. So there was that. And then um, I have a girl who sent me a picture of her and David on a date. Because um, that was her way of checking to see if it was okay that David was on a date, which I thought was um, stupid. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the sentiment. I think that there may have been a better way to go about it. Agreed. Agreed. I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate that she wanted my approval and my opinion and to make sure that it was okay. Um, but there are better ways to go about that than, you know, sending me a picture of her and my husband on a date together. I, you know, uh my my compersion's on its way, but you know it's not a steel wall. I'm not ready for shit like that, especially when I'm not expecting it. And I, um, so you know, so I had to deal with that right away. As in, like, ugh, what do I do? I can't react here. I can't be a bitch to her because that's gonna make the David look terrible, and then she's gonna feel bad, and it's gonna ruin their date. I can't do that. So you know, I gotta buck up and deal with it, and don't let this bother you, and just put it down and not think about it again. So, and, and that's what I did, um, you know, other than bringing it up now to say that I thought it was a stupid move, and then she wouldn't have done it. But again, if this happens again, you know, I'll be better prepared for it, and next time I'll be like, uh, done this, not a big deal. Um, uh, then there was the next one, the girl who came in to get tattooed. Did I tell you about that? Mm-mm. Okay. So David's been seeing this one girl a couple times. And uh, the fact that he's seen her a couple of times, you know, um, and then she's coming in to get tattooed by him um, and a pretty decent-sized tattoo, I'm thinking, okay, well, he likes her. They get along. She's probably, she's probably awesome, you know? And why wouldn't I want to talk to her? Because I love awesome people, you know? So here he's going to bring this awesome person into our life, and hopefully I'll get to meet her and maybe – We'll, you know, be friendly with each other and everything will be great. Because I do want to get along with the people that he's with because that makes him more comfortable and also makes me more comfortable. So, you know, if if everything's above board and everybody's happy, it should be fine. Uh, but so she gets there and um, I don't know. I mean, it, it must have – I wasn't taking into account that it was probably uncomfortable for her as well. Um, I kind of expected her to be uh, totally okay with everything, um, just because that's what I'm working on. But in hindsight, I don't even know if she knew I was going to be there, to be honest. So it was a little weird. So she was, she was definitely awkward in, in meeting me and I was just trying to be really friendly. I was just trying to be really friendly and inviting, you know, like, so that she didn't feel weird or anything. Um, and, uh, God, it went it went badly. <laughs> really did. So she, okay, so David's getting set up for her tattoo. 
and he leaves us alone and we're just, her and I are just talking and we're talking about movies because I'm trying to put a movie on for them to watch while he tattoos her. Um, and we start talking about movies and she's like, oh, have you seen the interview? And I said, no, I've heard mixed reviews, but I want to see it. And she goes, well, the last 30 minutes. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't talk. Please don't talk. Please don't. And she goes, no, I just want to tell you. I'm like, please don't. She's like, but James Franco, I'm like, oh my God, would you please stop talking? And I start, and at this point, I'm yelling at her and covering my ears. I'm like, please don't tell me. She's like, but it, I just want to, and I'm like, if I don't want to know what happens in the last 30 minutes of any movie ever, please don't do that. And she, and I don't know, it was, it, it was, it was really <laughs> uncomfortable. And after that, she looked kind of broken. Aww. And then, and then David walked in and he was like, he was like, what are you two yelling about? And I was like, she tried to tell me the end of the interview. And he, go, he just looked at her. He was like, oh, bad move. And he was like, yeah, she almost disowned one of our kids for that. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> and then she just – and then uh, it was kind of ruined after that. Aww. Like I tried to talk to her. Like I kept going in while she was getting tattooed. And I would try to like, you know, make jokes about the movie or talk to her or anything. And she just didn't really want to talk to me anymore. And I don't really blame her. <laughs> So it just didn't go well, and I'm sure she was just nervous. But we just we just didn't click, you know. Like, but there wasn't it, it wasn't as easy to get along with her as I had expected. So you know, maybe that's my fault having expectations. That's that's when people get upset when their expectations are violated. So I, this is that's really complicated. It's uh, you would not want a complete stranger running up to you and telling you the last 30 minutes of the interview yep. if you had planned to possibly see it. Right. Uh, that is, uh, I think that's abhorrent to most people, <laughs> at least the people I know. Mm -hmm. So uh, that kind of falls into the realm of would you like this person as a person and how important is it for you to like that person as a person? Well, that's something I had to deal with right directly after that. So now I'm like, okay. So, you know, he's spending time with her and they get along real well and her and I don't get along. Well, I don't really care because I don't have to be there on their dates. Right. You know, when we were swingers, that made a difference. Now, I don't have to give a fuck, which is very freeing and, you know, my favorite thing ever. So, so yes, I get to chalk that up too. I don't really give a fuck. So, so yeah, so my, my compersion being tested, I think I did so-so, eh, you know. But I think that I learned from each of them. Um, oh, we had another one, too. So this one was, this is an interesting one, you know, and, and I think that anybody who's new to an open marriage will run into this at some point. And when you do, it's, it, it, there's a little hiccup. You know, you, you get a little knee-jerk reaction, or at least I did. So um, he's going on a date, and I asked him who. Um, because we, we don't, we, we're not necessarily like, you have to tell me, but, you know, Sometimes we ask, sometimes we don't. And I was like, well, who's it with? And because I thought it was um, with somebody. And then turns out to be somebody completely different. Turns out to be somebody uh, from our past. Somebody mm. that we knew a long time ago, um, like a few years ago. And, uh, you know, and it's one of those people in our past that at the time I had instincts about, you know, this is one of those times where I would have asked him, are you attracted to her? Are you interested in her? And he would have said no. This happened many times in our relationship, you know, um, each time with me saying, if you are, let's talk about it so we can figure it out. 
and him saying, no, 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 because he's afraid to lose me. Right. We've been through this story. So this is one of those times, though. This is one of those people. And then now all of a sudden he's going out with her, and I need to quickly process the fact that he, you know, contacted her, has flirted with her, set up a date, and is now going. And it's not a new person. It's a person from then. So it, so it brings up a lot of old feelings. It brings up a lot of old jealousies, a lot of old um, anger, you know, for great. So you were lying to me. Awesome. You have to deal with that. And that's, you know, that's that knee-jerk reaction. That's all the things I felt right away. And that's all the things that um, when you're on the compersion path, you have to actually take out, pull apart, look at, figure out why it bothers you, and then go through it. Feel it. And then put it down, get right. over it. And that's the important part is after, after you feel it, then you put it down and then you, and then you move on. So now when I think of that, when I, when I actually, you know, I can even go ahead and picture, well, I wonder what that date looked like. And it doesn't bother me. I don't get upset at all. So, so that's another hiccup that, that, you know, comes up in along this trail because <laughs> there's going to be a lot and I know it, um, Girls are going to send you pictures of your husband on a date. <laughs> Girls are going to come out of the woodwork from three years ago. And, you know, and then his hookups are going to show up at your work. And you got to figure out if you like them or not. So, so yeah. But once you get past them, once you get past these hiccups, then you're at another plateau. Then you've That's learned true. some more. And then, and then you can dig your heels in from there and, you know, figure out what's next. <laughs> what's next on this, you know, path. I just said supposedly upwards, and I, I know it's upwards. I'm not. I don't have doubts. I just sometimes, you know, when the trail is hard and you, you, you're wondering why you're doing it in the first place. Um, all I have to do is talk to other couples for five minutes to remember why I'm doing it. Uh, every couple I know has the same problems. A very good friend of mine is in a decently new relationship, and I say that as within the past year. You know, they've been together for months now long enough to have established patterns in the way that they deal with each other. This friend of mine is very independent. She's very used to going out a lot on her own and, you know, having fun and, and being a free spirit. And he um, consistently says, that's fine. That's great. I love who you are. Be who you are. Do that thing that you want to do. And then he does sneaky things like goes along on her uh, nights out with her mostly uninvited, as in, oh, I'm not going to go, you make plans, she makes plans, suddenly, well, you know what, even though I have to work early in the morning, I'm going to go anyway, because I want to be with you. Mm. And then he goes with her, and he spends the entire time being a wet blanket, he's tired, he's bored, she can't hang out with any of her friends, because he just wants to hang out with her, and he's boring. And then he has to go home early, because he has to get up early, and now she has to leave, because they came together. This becomes a pattern. And I've seen it happen in multiple relationships, and it's a slow, steady control that eventually, um, you know, eventually she's not allowed to go out anymore by herself. And then she doesn't act the way that she used to act, and she becomes half of a person. She's not that whole person she used to be. She's now controlled because of somebody else's fear. Fear right. of who she is when she goes out. Fear of relationships she might make if she goes out. It's these little tiny ways that we control each other, you know, because women do this too. You know, I've seen, I've seen women do this to men exactly the same thing. And then, and then eventually they close them off from everybody else because other relationships come from everybody else. 
And we all know what it feels like to be in a, a flirty situation, to to want to be um, free enough to feel good. Feel good about yourself to flirt with somebody who's in front of you. And once we find someone, we're supposed to shut that off. We're not supposed to want to feel that ever again because we found the one. So I watch, I watch relationships form because of sex and then go down in flames because of sex over and over and over again. Uh, so we've got, you know, people who just, they, they defend monogamy. They defend it because, because they're actually proud of their jealousy. You know, I'm just a jealous person. I can never get over that. I could never do that. I could never share my person with somebody else. So, so there you've got, um, you know, what was, what was Eric talking about? Property. Right. You know, suddenly this, this person's your property. Um, which means that you get to set standards on them and control them and, and make sure that you know where they are and who they're with and what they're doing all the time so that you can keep tabs on them so they won't leave you. That's precisely what it is because that's what, that's what marriage was. It's changed over the years, but it was establishing property. It was a business deal. Exactly. So, it, and that's, that's so, so what you're trading is a, a person, you know, for, for, for money, mm -hmm. right? Or some monetary gain, right. cattle, or whatever the fuck it is. I don't really know. But, and, and so that person is property. And then you control them. That's fucked. Well, even when, um, even when a bride's father pays for the wedding. Same thing. It's part of the deal. That's why that so, was ever established. But, but dowries, dowries are actually given to the, the husband's family. Is that right? Um, I believe so. I believe it's because uh, you just said when the father of the bride pays, that's that's the current form well, of I the mean, dowry. That's what we right? do. Yeah, pretty much. Um, now the the deal is marry my daughter, and I will cover the wedding. Right, right. <laughs> As in, you need to pay people to marry your daughter. Right. That's so, what a dowry and it's is. A, right? It's not even a business deal with the bride. It's a business deal with the bride's father, and that is that is still in practice today. Agriculture, the beginning of agriculture where we actually started to need to have land, property, someone to control the land, who owns the land, who reaps the benefit from the land. And all of a sudden, we had to section everything off and make sure that everybody gets their fair share. And this is when families started to become units and not full tribes. So we've got the separation of people inside of a community. Um, uh, I read a fascinating book a few years ago. It's called Ishmael. It's uh, by Daniel Quinn. It's fantastic. It's It's actually about a talking uh, gorilla, but I know it sounds ridiculous, but it is in, it is an incredible... American translation is known as grape ape. <laughs> it's not. It, I'm sorry, I'm making that up. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's, it's a philosophical novel about where we went wrong as human beings, as beasts, as, as animals from this earth, and where we went wrong and, and how we fucked it up and it starts with agriculture, um, which, uh, interestingly enough, you know, lines up with the ideology of Sex at Dawn, um, the, the book by Christopher Ryan, that uh, in the beginning, when we were just tribes people, there was, you know, polyamory was normal. It wasn't just, it wasn't just polyamory. It, there was no set um, relationship, so to speak. You know, it was, it was a tribe of people, and often, you know, sex was just kind of a free thing. Um, and then when you introduce agriculture and then, you know, ownership and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, 
who whose children am I feeding? You know what I mean? I want to make sure that my wife is having my kids. And then all of a sudden it becomes very segregated and separate. And so eventually, you know, jealousy, what turned, you know, it was originally like fear of losing your piece of the pie, this land that you have or this agriculture or whatever it is. Um, when you lose that piece, that's that, that translated into what we have now, which is the jealousy of you losing somebody, you know, you know, when now we've got um, the family unit, you know, we've got the father supposedly or the mother who goes out as the breadwinner and then, you know, everybody else is home uh, or we have two breadwinners or whatever. But now there's the fear of losing that and the jealousy comes into play with that. Like now this is my property. If somebody else comes in here, they're going to take part of my property. And we've tied in relationships to finances and um, housing and everything else. And this makes it even more complicated because now in order to have a more community-based thing, you have to be able to, um, you know, let your partner go and let them have experiences and whatnot. And, you know, and what do you do with the finances then? Is it something that you have to um, worry about? You know, is your husband going to leave you eventually if he finds somebody else? If I if I have any doubts about why I'm doing this, again, I just talk to people who are in current relationships because they're a goddamn mess and they're all based on this idea that you can only be with one person at a time. You can only love one person at a time. If you talk to most people on the street, they'll tell you that monogamy is what they practice. Um, and uh, I believe that the stat that we heard was 40 to 80% of the population is not monogamous. It just depends on what they call it. Um, so people who are cheating, <laughs> people who are in uh, serial two-year relationships, they're not monogamous people. They're just having a one partner for two years at a time. They're just not overlapping them. Or they are, and that's how they're getting the new one. Right. So uh, talking to a guy the other day, he was telling me the basis of his last like four relationships, you know, which was I was dating this girl. It was really great. She was a little crazy. She brought home another girl, started dating that girl. First girl got mad, broke up with me. Now date the new girl. And he's like, like just skipping relationships through threesomes. Interesting. <laughs> right? So, so either these girls have figured out that the way to get rid of him is through threesomes. Right, right. <laughs> or, you know, that's just his serial pattern. And, and it's interesting because then we say, well, guys can't commit. You know, they can't commit because they need to have sex. Well, commitment and sex don't need to be the same thing. They don't, they, they can be exclusive. You can have a commitment to somebody and have sex with somebody else. And it, it, why that has to kill the original commitment is what bothers me so much. Why give up on this amazing relationship you have because of something as, I don't want to say meaningless, but I mean, sex is wonderful. But it doesn't need to mean the end of your relationship. If you have, if they have sex with somebody else, or you have sex with someone else, you don't need to tie in everything to that. You don't need to tie in. Well, now I have to leave him, and everything has to change, and all of this stuff. Um, you don't even have to tie in being mad at him. If you can actually understand the basis of compersion, and you can actually truly feel happiness for your partner when they feel happiness with another person. 
you don't have to give up shit. You actually gain a whole lot. You gain uh, enlightenment, happiness. Uh, the joyous feelings that you get when you let that weight go is totally worth it. So people who hold on to monogamy, you know, they hold on to it. They're like white knuckle hold on to it. Like I can't let you go because you sleeping with somebody else is going to ruin my life. If they break that down, you know, what, what does ruin my life mean? You know, them doing something physical with somebody else or even romantic with somebody else. If you can be happy off of their happiness, if you, if you, if their happiness can actually, you know, blend into yours, um, then I think you're on the right path. What I see is, you know, these monogamous couples who over and over again, they are attracted to someone, they fall in love, and then that's the one for them until they find somebody else who attracts them. And they fall in love? Maybe, no, maybe not. Who knows? They're, they're slightly attracted enough to do something. And then you've got a choice. And that choice is do something. Uh, you know, and you can do something by lying and cheating. Or you can be honest and tell your partner that you want to do something. And that will either incur a breakup um, or a polyamorous relationship in the best case scenario. So for some, jealousy is a fine goal. They, they, think, it's, uh, they think it's worth protecting. I'm sure you've heard people take pride in their jealousy or the jealousy of their partner. It's looked at as a sign of caring about someone. You know, that, oh, he loves me so much, he's jealous whenever I do anything, and they, they're flattered by this, um, and they think it's a sign that he really cares. Uh, it's, it's not. It's a sign that he's afraid and insecure and um, has a very low opinion of you that you are going to do something dishonest, behind his back kind of a thing. And even not that, you know, some people are so controlling to the point where you're not allowed to flirt with other people. You're not allowed to look at other people. You're not allowed to look at porn. I know some people who are not allowed to masturbate. I, I, I think that's uh, insane that you, would, that you could actually um, restrict someone from their own body and their own mind. It's unacceptable. Um, I find it I find it borderline disgusting because it's a, it's a form of control and it, it's a form of control that is actually abusive. You know, controlling someone to the point where they can't have control over their own sex I find abusive. Um, so if it's looked at as a sign of caring about someone, you know, you're protective of losing them, um, and and that's about as far as I want to think about it. They don't want to think about it any further, um, and it's not until that jealousy shows signs of damage that people will start to wake up, you know, like they'll find themselves being a different person than they used to be. All of their freedoms are stripped away. Who they used to be is gone. Often their friends are gone, you know, because of someone who's been controlling them. Um, it's, it's what it is. It's very, uh, jealousy creates a need to control through a monogamous commitment. And that control is damaging. It's the illusion that a monogamous commitment somehow makes a relationship more secure. Um, this, this seems upended by the disruptive, obsessive, guilt-ridden emotions that a monogamous person feels when he or she is inevitably attracted to somebody other than his or her partner. Um, and this, this is serial dating. 
This is when people will just continually, they'll be with the one because they're, you know, in lust with that person. And then as soon as they find another one, they just transfer. So, you know, it's that friend of yours who is never, ever uh, single for more than a month and never, ever quite happy either. You know, it's a constant roller coaster ride. Okay. Um, so to sum up, compersion in a, is a cornerstone of any good satanic relationship. Um, and again, I use the term satanic just to show contrast from a traditional Christian-based relationship where one uses shame and fear to control a partner's uh, sex life or romantic life. So really, compersion or you know, being on your way to compersion, which we all decided was compersion, is the satanic way. Um, so let's go back to when uh, you know my my particular compersion state or progress was um, challenged recently. Uh, so all of these things could have been fine if my foundation had been stronger. And why wasn't it? Why did these things bring out my fear? You know, the, the fear that makes you want to clamp down on your life so you don't lose anything. And it's because I'm still processing things through a fear filter. You know, I, I find out a new aspect of our openness and I immediately filter it through old channels, you know, that, that dwell and that are programmed to scan for possible loss of my relationship. And then they throw up all these old flags that I've been trying to get rid of and knock down. So instead of dealing with each thing, I could have avoided all of this by working on myself more and probably slutting around less. Um, sleeping around has definitely been fun, but I think I may be using it as a diversion so I have something more pleasant to think about and occupy my time with when thoughts about, you know, my husband's dates creep in or, or unexpectedly, you know, put in my face. So what I need to do is spend more time working on the parts of me that make me proud of myself. Um, and although I, I am proud of my slutting around capabilities, and they are impressive, um, they don't really further my foundation building. And they are definitely a distraction, um, although an endless supply of good stories. So what I need to do is I need to balance my social life with my independent life. And I find myself going back to uh, The Ethical Slut, um, a book by Dossie Easton and Janet Hardy. Have you read it? Mm. It's incredible. It's these are two women who really um, uh, decided a long time ago, you know, that an open relationship was the only thing that they could accept. And uh, I know that Donnie Easton is a psychologist. I'm not sure what Janet Hardy does, but um, they wrote an excellent book teaching people how to work towards being an ethical slut, meaning having multiple partners um, in a way that nobody gets hurt. Right. Um, and uh, when I when I feel like I need to balance my independent life, you know, more with my social life and, and be a little more independent so that I'm not depending <laughs> on uh, other people to make me happy. Um, I go back to what they suggest, which is when you feel jealousy, work on yourself, do something you enjoy, do something that pulls you as a person, um, art, create anything, read, work out. Binge watch a show that, you know, documentaries like crazy. Learn something while you're doing it. But do something that makes you like you. The stronger foundation you have, the less you'll feel those rocks that are hurled, hurled at you. You won't even notice them. Um, and I think it's okay to be sliding back and forth on the whole compersion jealousy scale. Uh, as long as you don't let your slide self, as long as you don't let yourself 
slide backward too far. Catch yourself. Remind yourself of the things you find important. Remind yourself why you're doing this. Stupid mantras come into play here, and they actually do help. And if you can remember these little things, um, you know, these little gems of wisdom in the right times, they will make a big difference. Um, things like true happiness comes in the absence of fear. Allowing your partner the freedom to have experiences that make them happy makes for a better partner. I can't stress this enough. A free person is a happy person. A person who feels secure and free at the same time, that is the happiest person. And I know you could say, how can you feel secure if there's a possibility of him finding someone else in all this? And like I said, they'd have to be a damn amazing person. But if that's what it was and if that's what was going to happen, that's okay. I'm still an awesome person and my life will still go on. I just choose to not live with that as a fear. Um... Everything is as it should be, something I fall back on a lot. You know, if you can just relax and realize that everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be right now, and you really don't have to try to control anything, I find great peace in that thought. I always do. Um, you're just a tiny speck of matter on a big rock in limitless space. <laughs> I find that reading or looking, you know, watching documentaries on the cosmos, I think um, that puts me in perspective more than anything. You know, watching uh, Stephen Hawking and all of his uh, documentaries, that does amazing things for my brain. And my brain automatically lets go of jealousy, and I don't even realize it. It just doesn't exist anymore. I find that amazing. Um, we're all connected. You know, and, and that goes back to, you know, on that, that quantum physics level, we're all made of the exact same stuff. And it's not only in us, it's actually in the air between us and in everything around us, and we are all the same thing. So I know that's weird and not really directly connected to what we're talking about, but this is one of those thoughts that makes me feel better. Um, stop caring about others' opinions of you. Shut out all those peripheral voices that don't support you. Focus on your own goals as a person. Make decisions that support those goals. Be patient. Be kind. If you're angry with someone, you're focusing on the wrong aspects of the situation. Surround yourself with those on the same mission as you. Forge your own mental pathways. Focus on your core force. If you feed it with the bravery to follow your instincts and selfless acts done in the name of your calling, whatever that is, you know, our mission is to find our purpose and then use it to help others. And you want to strengthen that at every opportunity. Strengthen, the, uh, seek out those opportunities that would be painful or impossible and try to turn them around in your mind as a chance to grow. And that's, that's exactly what conversion is. It's ex that's that's the, the quintessence of what it is. Um, face that which makes you uncomfortable. Find your peace with it. It's those uncomfortable influences that are allowed to exist that negatively impact your core force. And when your core force is strong, that foundation, that, that independence, it's easier to be happy. The world seems lighter because you aren't being weighed down by negativity. And this is difficult to remember when you're being pulled by it. You know, it feels like you have no control. And that is untrue in all situations. You are always in control. You have a responsibility to yourself to be in control of your energy. Every reaction you have is actually a decision. 
And it's not an easy thing to grasp, I know. You, you actually have to stop and say, I'm reacting to something because I've been, I've trained myself to react this way. But if you can stop and reevaluate and realize that, you know, it, first off, everything's not about you. So you're probably getting upset about something that's um, unfounded. Um, but you have a responsibility to be in control of your own energy and your own reactions and your own responses. And if you try to make this the path that you travel, the one that leads you to this goal as often as you can, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Every day, try to make the decisions, the best decisions you can. You know the effect it will have on your energy, your core force. Keep that in mind. You have to know that this is the best thing to do. And I can tell you the first decisions you make on this path are the hardest because you have to fight out the rut you've dug yourself into in order to change your path to one of your choosing. But be honest in your communications with yourself, with others. Be impeccable with your word. And I think that's a, a very important point that should be kept in mind in all things. Uh, despite what your ego tells you, you're not the center of the universe. In fact, most of the things that happen in your life that you consider negative really aren't personal. They may only be negative to you. It was a circumstance you found yourself in, and it really depends on you as to whether or not you get anything positive out of it. But I guarantee most of it isn't, isn't personal. Stuff happens. Stuff happens to everybody. If you're one of those people that likes to, to, to divide things into stark blacks and whites, not considering how often we uh, sabotage our own selves, then you have to believe that at least half the time something you think is bad is going to happen. That is, that is as simple as probability and statistics get. And most of that is not personal. It's not anyone coming after you. It might not even be at the hand of a person. It could be weather-related. It doesn't matter. It's not personal. There's not a lot to get mad about, really. And if you're comfortable with not being the center of everything, you're going to be a lot happier. Yeah, that's hard. I want to be the center of everything. <laughs> <laughs> you're like the cream filling of the world. Yeah, Tootsie Roll Center in the world's Tootsie Pop. Yes, that's me. <laughs> How many licks does it take to get to the center? It's just three. Just three? <laughs> You're easy. <laughs> I told you, I'm good at sledding around. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Satanic Love Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode, and for more information, you can find us at sataniclove.com.